You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Let me give you this microphone. This is our TMT. We have about a two-minute time most Sundays, and we do some type of teaching or instruction, or we do some type of exhortation, encouragement, or we do a testimony. Sometimes we let people share about what they're doing, uh, and some people are doing things that it would be helpful for us to pray for them uh, as they go and do those things. And so today, Sintel Johnson is up here. She is a student, and uh, I'll let her introduce herself fully to you, uh, but she's about to take a trip, and so I want her to just tell you real briefly about what that trip is about but also what her aim is, which is sort of like a little bit different than the actual trip itself, as she has more of a desire than what the trip demands of her. Um, And then we're going to pray for her before we get started with anything else today, okay? So tell us what's going on. Hi, I'm Santel. I'm a senior at Augustana, and tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to India. And (laughs) yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, but also kind of nervous, so that's why I want some prayer. But it's a school trip. It's a religion course. So it's not a missions, um, missions trip per se, but I thought that it would be a really good opportunity to reach some students for the gospel if God would give me that opportunity. And in praying for this trip, I was like, God, uh, please help me heckin' evangelize these people, which is not the right posture, I realized. <laughs> Because thinking back in my um, faith journey of all the people who have influenced me for God, it's definitely been people who weren't like that. Um, A particular time, uh, my heart was not in a good place. If there was anything I wanted from God, it was for him to leave me alone and just let me live my life without feeling guilt. Uh, I went to Costa Rica my sophomore year. And also in Costa Rica, there was this guy named Chris. And Chris was a Christian. And um, I love talking to him, but also I just, I felt kind of, uh, I didn't want to talk to him at the same time because I knew there was something different about him. He had this peace and this calm and just this joy, this supernatural joy about him. And I, I left Costa Rica, like, sincerely believing that, you know, Chris was not doing drugs. He was actually, <laughs> like, there was something real going on with him. He had a real connection to God that was so much more than just my, you know, my idea, my conception of God. So if um, I can, I'd really like you guys to pray for me to be the source of peace and joy that Chris was to me in Costa Rica. And also just some journey mercies. Amen. All right. Can we pray for Sintel right now? So Life Church is going to send you forth, all right, in prayer. Uh, and pray that you will be an ambassador of Christ and that you will just share the love and the joy of Jesus Christ with all those around you, not just those students that you're going to be doing life with this month, but anyone else that is a divine encounter by God. Amen? Let's pray. Those of you who are comfortable doing so, just kind of like reach your hand towards Sintel, just as an act of faith that we believe the Holy Spirit will fall upon this young woman and use her mightily uh, throughout India. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for your goodness and your love that is so powerful that you would take a a young woman from Belfouche and you would plant her, Lord, uh, in the nation of India for uh, several weeks and there allow her to not only encounter nationals, but to have an ongoing relationship with the other students that she journeyed with. 
Would you use those times for opportunity for her to share the love of Jesus with those around her? Would you anoint her, God, to be a voice, an oracle for you, God? Would you allow her to be a wellspring of this joy that she speaks of that was so alluring and, and, and so appealing? And above all, would the power of the Holy Spirit work through her, Father? Would you protect her and shield her from every snare of the evil one, every event of harm that is set against her? And would you give her, Lord, the opportunity to see others come to know you? Father, use this woman for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. Amen. All right, you go in the spirit of the Lord, Sintel. Amen. Okay, we have, uh, I believe, a great day for you. Pastor Dave and I have been talking a lot with each other lately as we're approaching the new year and into this first few days of the new year. And really what God has been speaking to both of us about a lot is being joyful and hopeful in the season that we're in, but looking at this year as a year to really offer ourselves as a living sacrifice and to do the work that God has called us to do, in particular, to make disciples. Now, that's encouraging, and it's also sort of intimidating at the same time. Uh, making disciples is a big deal, uh, and it involves a lot of emotional energy as well as spiritual energy and intellectual energy, all right? Um, but Life Church has a mission statement, and that mission statement simply says, we glorify God by making disciples in our neighborhood and beyond. That is what Life Church is all about. There are three verses of Scripture that inform that mission statement a lot. And I want to just go through those three verses real quick with you. And then Pastor Dave's going to come up and uh, get the rest of the morning started for us, all right? I hope and pray that you and I are all going to be deeply challenged by what God is going to speak through a lot of different people here today, all right? The first scripture that I want to bring to your attention is, is the obvious Great Commandments passage. It's Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It says there, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There it is right there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is our mission. That is what God has called us to do. That is what God has promised to empower us to be able to do. And that is what God has promised He will be with us as we do it. Now, making disciples isn't for a select few. It's not for the leadership of the church. It's not for the pastors only. It's not for a few special, outgoing, gregarious kinds of people. Making disciples is for every single believer on the face of the earth who is breathing, all right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That idea of proclaiming there is not just that you and I shout out a testimony of how great God is, but that we are constantly as the priesthood of believers working to impart truth 
and understanding and teaching to all of those around us, that we are iron sharpening iron, that we are helping one another to grow and to mature so that we can all do this together, all right? And he has promised that he will be with us in all of this, all right? Now, my role and Pastor Dave's role in this is uniquely different than your role to some degree, but not a terribly lot, okay? But we take our role very, very seriously in Life Church. And our role is to equip you. That's our responsibility, is to make sure that you are able to do exactly what the Bible is telling you to do and what Jesus has commanded you to do. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter 4 and read you three verses there. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, those are the pastors, and the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Folks, that embodies discipleship. That's it right there. You and I together as the priesthood of believers being equipped by those that God puts over us so that we can do this work together and together we can mature into the fullness of Jesus Christ and proclaim, share, deliver, distribute, whatever, that message to a lost and dying world. Now, here's the elephant in the room. Here's the honest confession that all of us need to make, probably. Some of you are really on it. You're going, yes, and amen, and your passion is already rising up this morning. But for most of us, the honest confession is we don't do this. We really don't do this at all. Or if we do, we do it in a very uh, sort of misguided way. Or we do it uh, in a very awkward kind of way. Or we do it in a very fearful uh, way that has no confidence or no assurance behind it. We in Life Church want to change that. We want to change that culture uh, all around us. And so Pastor Dave is going to come and he's going to uh, uh, enlist a lot of other people in Life Church here this morning to help us, to inspire us, all right, to answer this question, why don't we do this and what do we need to do about that? Pastor, come on. Well, I'm going to try to contain my excitement this morning. Uh, I love talking about disciple making. Uh, this is kind of what I live for, and I love seeing people step up and, and do that work day in and day out, week in and week out, and we're going to get to see a lot of our people. It's really going to be a priesthood of all believers Sunday. A lot of our people are going to be up here sharing. And Pastor Bill's right. Um, the evangelical church in America, we struggle with this. Uh, some recent research done by the Barna Research Group shows that nine out of ten evangelical Christians don't share their faith or make disciples. Nine out of ten. When I came across that statistic, I just thought, man, that's, that's like 90% of our church just inactive. Um, and I think for a long time, maybe we've been taught that being a Christian means you show up at church on Sunday morning, you put a few bucks in the plate, and you're a generally nice person. And you listen to Life 96.5. That's another thing, <laughs> right? Uh, but you ha and you have a fish on your car and some things like that. But, but what Jesus says here in Matthew 28 that Pastor Bill just read to you is entirely different. 
And I think all of us would say, yes, I, I believe Jesus is talking to me there in Matthew 28. He's talking to his disciples. It's his famous last words before he ascends. So we're a part of that group that he's speaking to. And if he's speaking to us, then this is his command for us. It's not only his command, but it's the joyful task that he's called us to join him in, right? He's given us this mission, and we get to say yes to it and be a part of what God is doing in the world. But 9 out of 10, 9 out of 10 evangelical Christians aren't doing that, aren't saying yes to what Jesus has for them. And one of the questions that they asked in the research that they were doing is, why not? And obviously, that's part of what we're doing here today, too, is saying, why not? If, if this is what Jesus has said to us and we agree that he's speaking to us as his disciples, why aren't we doing it? And they found there was four big objections that were given to why we as Christians aren't sharing our faith or making disciples. First of all, um, evangelical Christians didn't know why they were supposed to make disciples. Um, I asked our core students this question uh, on Wednesday, and I think Z gave a great answer. He said, because Jesus said to do it. I'm like, that should be enough right there. I think that's a great answer. Jesus said to do it, but we're going to learn more. Alicia's going to come and teach that in a second. But they also didn't know who they were supposed to reach. They hadn't really thought about, like, who are the people in my life that I should reach out to? Uh, they didn't know what they were supposed to say. Like, if, if they got an easy, slow pitch right down the middle and somebody said, hey, what's this Jesus thing all about in your life? They had no idea what they would say which I think is really sad. And you're going to hear that today. Somebody's going to come and teach you. Melissa's going to come and teach you what to say. And, and finally, they hadn't made it a priority in their lives of when they were going to carve out time in their schedule to do this work of disciple making. So we're going to answer those questions. Why, who, what to say, and when you're going to do it today in the service with our very own people. Pastor Bill and I are not going to do anything until the very end. So as excited as we are, I'm going to call Alicia up, and she's going to teach you why we make disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Pastor. Good morning. My name is Alicia, and I'm going to address that first objection that Pastor Dave talked about. And the reason, one of the reasons why we don't make disciples is we don't know why. Um, and so we're going to go to God's Word this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you or on your phone, please turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, there's a lot to unpack from this passage, um, but let's go back and look at verse 17, which says that if we are in Christ, so if you're sitting here today and you've professed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are a Christian, and you are a new creation. Uh, but this did not happen because of anything that we have done, 
uh, we find that only Christ could accomplish this. And this is in verse 21. While we were still in our sin, Christ bore our sin on the cross and died. And in exchange, he gave us his righteousness. That is what makes us a new creation. It wasn't anything that we did. It was everything that Christ did for us on the cross. We could not save ourselves. We needed a savior. And so Jesus came willingly to do this for us. But why would he do that? Why would God the Father send his only son to the earth to die such a terrible death because of our sin? Jesus was perfect. He was spotless, blameless. Um, he was not deserving of death. We were. Um, yet the reason behind all of this was God's heart and God's mission, which was to reconcile the world to himself. This word reconciliation comes up a lot in this passage. And it's just another way of saying God, uh, God's heart is to repair broken relationship between humanity and himself. He wants to repair our broken relationship with him and bring us back to him, bring us into intimate relationship with him. So in light of all these things, uh, in light of what Christ has accomplished for us, in the light of God's mission, what does this mean for us? In verse 20, it says very clearly, we are now Christ's ambassadors, which is another way of saying we are representatives of the kingdom of God. And we have been commissioned and called to tell others about what Christ has done. Another way that I like to think about this is we often talk about adoption here in Life Church. And the reason we talk about adoption is because God has adopted us into his family. And as such, he has invited us to join him in his work and in his ministry. And so this isn't a work we do on our own. It's a work that we do as a family because God is our father and he has brought us together and invited us to continue in the ministry of reconciliation. So, in conclusion to all of this, um, and the next person will pick up kind of where I leave off, um, because of God's mission, because he's invited us into his ministry, uh, he doesn't leave us stranded and high and dry. He specifically tells us who we are to reach and what we are to say, which I won't touch on because somebody else will do that for us. Um, but I want to sum up by saying that there's a lot of power in knowing why um, we do what we do to make disciples. And so hopefully and prayerfully, um, you now know why we make disciples. Amen? All right. One of the things I forgot to mention was we're going to have a testimony um, of real people from Life Church making disciples in between each of the sections. So I'm going to invite Mark Ferris if he'd come up. And uh, Mark, I have a really cool story about Mark. Mark's, Mark and Donna have only been in the church for a matter of months, but we, got, we began working on this disciple-making stuff last October, and we got kind of a slow start. And I think it was, it was hard for a lot of us to kind of get used to a, maybe a new frame of mind, like all of us are going to do this. Yep, we're all going to get out, and we're, we're going to share our faith. We're going to kind of be on mission with God. And Mark walks into the church, and to make the, sh the story shorter, basically says, I feel like God's called us to make disciples, and we just are looking for a church where we can do that. And I, was, I almost fell over. 
I was like, wow, that's like, that's amazing. That's exactly what we've been praying for. So, uh, Mark, will you just share with us what the Lord has done in your life? Thank you. Uh, first of all, uh, you said you were going to make the story shorter, and that's very difficult for me to do. So, anyway, I'm going to try. Um, first of all, Sintel, holy cow. I heard you say, well, really, this whole thing about going overseas isn't really about mission. Um, it is now, girl. Uh, I don't know if these are my words or the Lord's, but all I got to say to you is, sick them. <laughs> Go get them. The Lord's got your back, right? Holy cow. Holy cow. Uh, disciple making is what we're talking about today, and I think it's uh, different than discipleship. In other words, there's so many churches and so many places that I've been, it's about uh, you know, a discipleship program. And the distinction in my mind is disciple-making isn't only about helping believers grow up, uh, learn more, become more like Jesus, but disciple-making involves that part of it, the discipleship part, but it also involves making disciples. And that implies I once was not, and now I am. And uh, what I mean by that is this, uh, evangelism and discipleship are intricately um, married in, in Jesus' mind, uh, not one without the other. Uh, and so I just would encourage uh, Life Church for you as we move ahead this next year, when we're talking about disciple-making, always think about those who are lost who are in darkness, who, yet, who do not yet know what you know, who do not yet have, quite frankly, what you and I have, namely, specifically, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus inside our lives. We're never alone. Sintel, when you get on that plane, you're not going to be alone, girl. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus is going to be with you, in you, and beside you all the way. Wow. Like I said, I, you know, I don't know what I was going to say, but that's kind of what... <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, evangelism. What is evangelism? In other words, we're talking about making disciples, including both evangelism and disciple-making. What, what is evangelism? Uh, how would you define that? Now, I am going to give you a simple explanation because uh, in seventh and eighth grade when everybody else was studying grammar and English and how to form sentences and paragraphs and things, uh, Jim Looney and I were, uh, Loney and I were uh, working on who could make the biggest spitball in English class, you know. So, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to give you a complicated um, definition of evangelism, but I will we'll give you this. Those who are walking in darkness, me, you, separated from God, have been brought close to God, so close that He is beside us, He is with us, and He is now amazingly in us. 21 years old, by way of testimony, I was not 
the guy that you would think would be standing in front of a group of Christians, uh, you know, 21 years later, 30 years later. I didn't have God. Uh, I didn't love God. I, um, in fact, was angry with God. I wanted him to leave me alone, you know? And yet, in the midst of all that, God brought two things into my life. Two things that I desperately needed. Number one, uh, believers like you, uh, for those of you that are, are Christians here in this place. There was a time and a period in my life when I couldn't get away from Christians. Every time I turned around, somebody was bringing this up or that up, and, and eventually there was one man that just sat me down and, and absolutely just shared the good news, the gospel with me. Never really sank in before. And I can't say that it was any one specific person that quote-unquote led me to the Lord. Um, I don't know what your experience is. You know, is there any one person that led you to the Lord, or was it a group of people? Was it a time, that kind of thing? For me, it was, wasn't any one specific person, but it was the people of God. Uh, evangelism is proclaiming, telling, you know, uh, telling people what you know about Jesus and why it matters. So that's one thought on evangelism. We do our part, but more, I think, more to the point, and I think I've probably already covered it, without the Holy Spirit's guidance, power, and influence, you know, our human effort to bring people to Jesus is going to fall absolutely flat. It's not our work. It's not our power, and it's, at the end of the day, it's not our words. It's Jesus' Spirit who pursues. It's His presence that comes in. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that, that takes people from darkness to light. And so, in conclusion, I'd just like to encourage you today, uh, Life Church, and um, I've only been around since Easter, okay? Um, if you consider this your church home, just raise your hand. I'm just curious. When I say Life Church, thanks. Life Church... Really consider, brothers and sisters, uh, really consider what your role is in making disciples, in disciple-making this, you know, today and next month, just in, con you know, what, what's God asking me to do? And really consider your role in that. But more than anything, please, my prayer is that you would prayerfully meditate upon what God's Spirit's role is in the whole thing. What is it that he wants to do? Where is it he wants me to go? Who is he leading me to talk to? Whose heart has he already opening up to receive your words? And who knows? You might even catch a fish. And that's the thing about evangelism, and I'm going to close with this, and I apologize if I went a little long. Um, I, had a, I had a nephew who was about 10 years old, and my dad took him fishing on the Mississippi River. 
And the 10-year-old kid went fishing day after day, and finally one day they actually caught some fish, and so he wrote a, a little uh, cartoon or a little you know, crayon drawing to give to my dad, and it simply had a picture of my dad and him and a slogan at the bottom that said, fishing is fun when you catch fish. Evangelism is fun when you catch women and men alive. I, I, I pray that that happens here. And it, there's nothing more encouraging to the body of Christ, I believe, than to see rebirth and new Christians in this place. So that's my prayer. Amen. Thank you, Mark. And back to our outline, we are looking at the who. So Chris Bishop is going to come up and share who are we specifically called to reach? And what does the scripture have to say to us about that? So thank you, Chris. Good morning. So my name's Chris, and I'm here to, uh, to share a little bit about who to reach. So I'd like to start with uh, Colossians 3, 3 to 4. <clears throat> oh, did I get it wrong? Maybe I mixed that up. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll read what I've got here. At the same time, pray, for all, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward others, making the best use of your time. So a year and a half ago or so uh, at our discipleship retreat, we, we learned about two types of people, right? We learned about people, um, people you know, just encounter in, in your everyday walk of life, and then the people that God prepares. Um, God randomly will, will um, I think, drop people in your life that you didn't expect and uh, that are open to his message and his teaching. And so I, um, by no means uh, an expert on this, but I'd like to just share a couple of ways that uh, I think since that training, it's become something I've tried to be a little bit more uh, intentional about. So um, when you think about people that you can reach, I think it's obvious to just think, who, you know, who do you interact with in your everyday, everyday life, whether that's work, uh, your kids' activities, um, fantasy football, uh, sports. Uh, for, for me, um, I get the opportunity to play uh, in an ice hockey league with a bunch of men, and um, many of those uh, folks don't know Christ. And uh, that, you know, has created a bit of an opportunity. And um, the challenging part is it's hockey. So it doesn't always bring out the most godly conduct. But, <laughs> but when, when I can keep that in check, um, it seems like God opens up some doors. And um, just to give you an example, um, a lot of... Uh, the, the guys will go out and grab a beer after a game, and I haven't been doing that as frequently this year as uh, going out with them and, and grabbing a drink after the game as I have in years past. Uh, but after um, uh, a, a little encouragement, I think, from a couple guys, I finally said, okay, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago I said, sure, I'll go out. And, you know, didn't expect it at all, but... It, um, in a discussion at a bar with a couple of guys, you know, first the conversation wasn't probably, uh, you know, going in a direction you'd expect much, but it ended up turning into something where, you know, there was some really meaningful dialogue, um, you know, opening up about, uh, you know, walk, walking with the Lord and uh, some 
challenges that this person was going through. And, and uh, so, you know, there's random opportunities like that you don't expect. And I think, um, you know, it's just about taking advantage of what God puts in, in front of you. Um, there, there's other situations where, you know, there are some folks that I get to play with that I, I'm trying to be a little more intentional about praying for and looking for those opportunities. Um, uh, one, you know, one of those examples of like people you know um, is actually work-related. There's uh, there's somebody I get a I've had the opportunity of working with not closely but for about ten years now, and we've developed a pretty good relationship. He he lives in a different state, but we've managed to uh, to stay pretty well connected, uh, reaching out to each other over the years, and and just uh, you know he's. He's somebody I've prayed for uh, probably off and on for, for those 10 years. And, and uh, a year ago, uh, a little over that, you know, he was going through some, some tough times. A close friend of his had uh, passed away. And, and that just really, you know, opened up some, some doors to share, share the message, the good news of, of Christ. And, uh, you know, has that resulted in, in a new believer? Not yet. But uh, I think it's just trying to be intentional looking for those opportunities. So, um, so you know, whether it's a God-prepared people, right, the random encounters you have, or uh, people you know, I think God will open up those doors if, if we look for those opportunities, and we just need to respond to those. Um, so w- when you're thinking of, you know, who might be on your list, I, don't try to make that list a mile long. I, I think the idea here is just, Think of three, four, five people that you might encounter in, in your walk and, and try to, uh, to make a point of praying for them and, and looking for those opportunities. So that's what I've got. Awesome. Really appreciate that. Um, we're going to bring up Kelly Gilbert to give a testimony. And I, re- I really uh, enjoyed this past summer. Kelly would be faithful to come to... Um, some of our prayer walks and, and our outreaches in the neighborhood where we would just invite, um, invite people out from the church and we'd go walking and we'd deliver banana bread that a lot of you ladies would make, which was awesome. And we would say, hey, is there anything uh, we can pray for you for? We're just, we're just out in the neighborhood blessing people. We, we love Jesus. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And a lot of times that would open up conversations about the gospel. What I really appreciated about Kelly was she came and she brought her kids and a lot of times we think, ah, this is going to be a pain in the butt. i, I got to bring my kids along, and I'm just not going to be able to do the thing that I want to do with as, in, as much intentionality. But Kelly demonstrated disciple-making on two levels, actually. She was making disciples of her kids because her kids could see, Mom's obviously passionate about this because she's willing to drag us along with and provide a meal for us on the way and, and you know, take care of all these things after work. And she's demonstrating disciple-making to them, showing them that, hey, this is what mom cares about. This is a big deal to mom and dad. So uh, she's just going to talk about that for a minute. Really appreciate you sharing. Um, So if you ever invite me to anything, one of the first questions I ever ask is, can I bring my kids? Because I'm a mom, and um, that's kind of what I do. I bring my kids everywhere with me. And if I can't, then I have to start figuring out what I'm going to do with them instead. So um, that is one of my first questions that I ask myself. And um, at some point in the summer, I had wanted to go along for the prayer walks. And I kept saying, um, I don't have anybody to watch the kids. I don't have anybody to watch the kids. And I think Sherwin said it to me. But someone said, well, just take them along. It'll be fine. You'll work. It'll work out. And it's exactly my thought process is, okay, 
this is going to be a pain. Um, <laughs> but it, and it kind of is because you're constantly, okay, come on, stay with us, or oh, you need to be quieter because people are praying. You know, you're constantly saying things like that. But the reality is that my kids are seeing something great. And my kids are learning that they can be disciples too because they're seeing that um, the people who they value in their lives are willing to disciple others and willing to evangelize to others. And I really I learned this through um, before we did the 411 training through a couple who now live um, in a Russian-speaking country. I don't know where they live anymore. Um, they minister, um, and it's a, a place where they can't tell us where they live. But um, when they lived here in Sioux Falls for about a year, they had um, two little boys, and their little boys were very rambunctious, very hyperactive little boys, because that's what they are. And um, I would go out with them, and we would prayer walk in a very similar neighborhood in a, um, in a, a mobile home community, and um, they would take their boys, and they would encourage their boys to be involved, and then um, they would do things like they would go to a park, and they would just play at the park for a while, and while they were at the park, um, the dad, who is a very strong evangelistic minister, would find people to have conversations about Christ with, and um, I remember one of my favorite stories that he ever told me was that one day his little boy, uh, six years old, had a friend who he played with regularly, and one day he said, can I tell you about Jesus to his friend? And I was like, that's amazing, and that's what I want my kids to grow up like. And so um, seeing how other people were willing to minister to their children in a way that caused their children to minister to others made me want to be the parent who is willing to do the same for them, um, which is why I put up with when they come racing through the church, <laughs> and we're all praying, and I'm like, guys, not here. <laughs> Because that's part of them knowing that, like, this this is valued by me, and this should be valued by them, too. Yes, we want our kids eavesdropping on this. We want them coming along and, and even having them, hey, would you like to pray? Remember my kids coming along. Would you like to pray for so-and-so's dog that's uh, needing prayer or whatever? And Grace loves dogs, so I think she prayed for that one. Uh, and, and it was just a lot of fun. So, um we're back to the what. What do we say? Melissa Cran's going to come and teach us that. Um, and this by no means, by the way, is a formulaic kind of thing. You're going to encounter uh, a million different scenarios at a variety of different times and places. And like Chris said, they're going to come up at times where you're not even expecting it in conversations that you would never dream would lead to this. And so we just want you to be very basically equipped with how do you share the gospel? And that's one of the reasons why we have someone new and different share the gospel every week after church. So we just want you to become gospel people, learning how to connect the gospel to every part of life and practicing that in your daily life. So, Melissa, please teach us what to say. Yeah, I was actually going to start off by saying, like, the, I'm going to share two simple tools of ways of sharing the gospel. But honestly, it we get stuck with that, you know, when we do have these opportunities, they're like stuck on the tip of our tongue. And just because something is practiced doesn't mean it's not genuine. So when you, just because maybe you've, you've had time to practice and go through this, which is a good thing, it gets it off the tip of your tongue, but it's genuine because it's what you know to be true. Um, so be encouraged by that, like take these tools and use them as, as you can because it is about getting that gospel out there and making you more comfortable like as Pastor Dave said, of being gospel people. Um, 
So, and there are other ways. Uh, I grew up as a, in college as a navigator, so I learned the bridge of sharing God's story. There's the four spiritual laws. Um, but a really simple way of sharing the gospel is asking people, do they know the verse John 3.16? Because that really encompasses the gospel of, you know, this verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not die, but would have eternal life, you know, and be able to walk through what that means to people. What it, when you break that verse down, it's that Jesus came because he loved us. He, as Alicia said before, that he wanted to be reconciled to us. He wanted to have things made right. And he died so that we could not only be forgiven of our sin, but to live eternally and in restored relationship with God. And that's simply all packed into that verse. Um, but it's, it's easy for people to remember, and they've seen it, you know, a lot of places. I think it's probably the most popular Bible verse or most well-known Bible verse um, on the planet. Um, and the second one uh, that we have up there for sharing the what is our own story. Um, and I have that little diagram up there. It starts with, there was a time in my life when I, and then there's two blanks. And that would be where you fill in, what did my life look like before I, I encountered Jesus or it may be like something that happened later in your journey with Jesus, but it was, you know, it's just something that someone can relate to, you know. And then I had this encounter with Jesus, and now. And then, then you would fill in those two blanks after the cross. I will give my example. My testimony is that there was a time in my life when um, I didn't feel uh, that I could be lovable, and I was trapped in a lot of sin and shame and condemnation. But then I, I met Jesus when I was in high school. And through this process of following him, um, I found that God loved me and he adopted me into his family. And then he wanted me as his daughter. Um, and he helped set me free from the, from the sin and the shame that I had. You know, and, and, it, you know, and, and then ask that person, like, do you have a story like that? Are you interested in hearing more about this, this Jesus? And it's just simple. It's not hard. It's, it, it can feel kind of formulaic, but it's not really. It's you learning, just having a simple way of being able to tell your own story. Um, and so, yeah, those would be the two tools. How do you share God's story and how do you share your own story? And so take the time to sit down and just think through it really quick. Um, and it will give you just really a beautiful way of sharing what um, what it means to follow Jesus. Okay, I'm going to invite Donna Ferris up. I love talking to Donna about disciple-making because um, she has a life that's really been impacted by disciple-making, and she's bent on giving that away to others. So thank you, Donna, for coming. Thank you. Uh, to me, uh, discipleship and disciple-making is just a role journey that um, we have and uh, we can share with others. I grew up going to church and thinking it was all about being good enough, and I realized I was not good enough. And uh, when I went to college, God put me with a Christian roommate uh, just by his sovereignty. I had nothing to do with that. I asked her to be my roommate because I thought she'd be quiet and wouldn't bother me. So <laughs> that's where I was at that time. Um, but situations situations in my life at that time um, turned so that I needed a friend 
And I started hanging out with her and going to church with her and going to small groups with her. And by uh, Thanksgiving of my freshman year, I was a Christian. And uh, I came to understand that I could be forgiven, that it wasn't being about being good enough or measuring up to some standard that I couldn't measure up to. Uh, the work of salvation was finished from beginning to end by Christ, Christ on the cross, and I simply needed to place my hope and my faith and my trust in him. And so I asked him to be my savior. I entered that covenant relationship with him and began walking with him. And uh, many people worked with me one-on-one -on -one in groups. Um, as I walked through the scripture, the Holy Spirit poured into me through the years, uh, 30 years of, of studying the scripture. He's poured into me um, so much of his heart, and I'm so thankful for that. And so um, my calling now is to pour that into other people and to come alongside them on that journey. I'm so privileged to meet with a, a group of ladies here on Monday nights and uh, gals on, on every uh, level of their faith walk. And uh, it's a beautiful thing for us to come together and uh, iron sharpens iron and uh, to bring along um, maybe a newer one that, uh, you know, is just beginning her journey. And so um, that's my testimony with discipleship. Okay. Last but not least, when do we make time for this? We all know that we can, can have all the head knowledge, but if this doesn't become uh, part of our schedules, it just doesn't happen. Um, and disciple-making is a time-consuming thing, so Allison Tuttle is going to come and share when. I get the fun one. Yeah, so when do we go? When do we make time to make disciples? Um, I think I need to preface this with a year and a half ago when we had our training um, out at Inspiration Hills. I walked away from that. We were writing these on sheets, taking our notes. The backside of my paper, when, said when. And that's all the notes I got on there. So I've learned a little bit since then. Um, but really wanting to recognize with this part of it, we can't go into this. We can't go to, into any of these questions forgetting the why, um, forgetting our grounding, forgetting um, that this is the Holy Spirit's work in us and in those around us. Because um, otherwise it becomes legalism. Otherwise it becomes, okay, yeah, here's this checklist. I need to make sure I'm doing this, 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 and this. Okay, I got my win done for the week. I'm good to go. Um, and I can very easily fall into that myself. So just really encouragement to, to ground yourself, to root yourself in the good news of Jesus and um, let that become your heart, your space to land uh, because then, then our when becomes a lifestyle. Then our when becomes joyful and peaceful. Um, still hard, still takes time and, and sacrifice, but um, it looks different than just trying to trudge through it out of your, out of your flesh. So um, the story that we look at for when, uh, it's in a few of the Gospels. This morning I'll read it out of Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and acts on them 
I will show you what such a person is like. Such a person is like the man who, when he built a house, dug and dug deep and laid the foundations on rock. When the river was in flood, it bore down on that house but could not shake it. It was so well built. But someone who listens and does nothing is like the man who built a house on soil with no foundations. As soon as the river bore down on it, it collapsed. And what a ruin that house became. So our encouragement this morning is to really look and even just analyze our own lives of when when I look at my calendar, when I look at my schedule for the next day, the next week, it's so easy to fill things up. But how do I look and say, this is good, this is, this is, these are good things for me, but I want to choose the better thing. Um, and choosing that better thing of letting Jesus come into our lives, offering ourselves as living sacrifices and saying, Holy Spirit, come, come into my relationships, come into my work. Come into those things that maybe I need to let go of. Give me eyes to see um, so that I can be your disciple who makes disciples. Um, And one really helpful thing that Dave, I know, had started doing with his group partway through last spring is using the acronym of OATS. Again, really, really got to work for some of us to not make this be legalistic as soon as you put, like, a list of something in front of you. Um, But using this acronym... So O of oats would be obey. Looking at your week ahead, looking at your week behind and saying, what does it look like to obey Jesus? How have I obeyed Jesus in this week? Um, A being abide. How am I taking time to be in the word, be in prayer? How am I setting aside time to Sabbath, to rest, to fast, to to be connected to the vine? Because we don't want to lead people to ourselves or some false God. We want to lead people to Jesus. Um, T being train. Guess what? You guys, you're all being trained this morning. Woohoo! Um, but yeah, when, when have I taken time to train myself in, you know, what would, I, what would I say to someone if they were to ask me just on the street this week, like, hey, could you tell me about Jesus? Like, God can do that stuff for us. So we want to be prepared. Um, but also, like, um, who, who am I training? Who are these other people, these Christians around me that I know, that I love, that I want to work with to, to also be prepared to share the good news? And then the S of oats being share. When are we proclaiming the gospel? Who, who is it that God's opening up doors to? Who are we praying for? And we want to step out in faith this week to tell them of this wonderful news of Jesus Christ. That's it. Awesome. Okay, we got one final testimony. Sherwin Gilbert is going to come and uh, share a final testimony, and then Pastor Bill is going to come and lead us after that in some declarations that this is, this is who we are going to be as a church. This is who we believe Jesus has called us to be, and um, wrap us up that way. So thank you, Sherwin. All right, so I've just been asked to kind of share my testimony about what it's looked like for me just being in a discipleship group. Um, so I've been part of a discipleship group for a little over a year now, um, a few months into it, um, Pastor Bill had a sermon on the similarities between Christianity and farming. And kind of the mantra that I adopted after I listened to this sermon um, was that Christianity, like farming, is labor-intensive, very hard work, it's dirty, and it's time-consuming. Um, and these are just a couple of things that are very, I think, accurate and, and not very pretty things. I mean, 
Another example I like to use is like, if you think of somebody running a marathon, as the Bible talks about, you don't think of somebody smiling. Um, you don't think of somebody excited about what they're doing. You, you see somebody who's just, everything is going into it, and they're in pain, and they don't want to keep going, but they've got to, and Pastor Bill's up here smiling, so it's got to be apparently somewhat true. Um, so, yeah, um, getting serious about being a disciple has been one of the harder things that I've done. Um, it's meant being vulnerable and admitting to how dirty and messy my life week looks week to week. Um, it means getting intentional uh, about growth goals and, ma- and telling people what those goals are and then showing up and confessing how I failed and how I screwed up and how I didn't reach these goals. Um, and it's really dirty that way. And then there are times when, you know, I just have to come out and say, hey, look, guys, I've been doing this really stupid thing, and I just need to confess that. Um, and, and it's been really nice just to have a group of people there that are able to love me and say, okay, what is your plan for changing this thing rather than either giving the lifeless, oh, well, it's okay, we forgive you, or the lifeless, you know, that's evil, awful, stop it right now. But it's, it's balancing between those things of which is, yeah, yeah, that sucks, and yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. How are we going to help you work past that? That's been really um, a life-giving thing about this discipleship group. Um, then I remember a time, I guess a couple months in, I was pulling into the parking lot where we were meeting, uh, and I thought, this is just so hard. I'm going to have to show up again. I'm going to have to confess that I screwed up, and it would be a lot easier just to pull around, drive out, and find a different church to go to. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, that's where I was at the time. And I'm not saying it was the right attitude to have, but it was, it was my honest, dirty, messy feeling in that moment. Um, and uh, as you can tell by the fact that I'm here today, I did not switch churches, uh, which thankfully for, yeah. Um, and because of that, uh, I, I, I found a great quote uh, that said, you know, obedience to God is hard, but disobedience is impossible. Uh, meaning just, you know, the results of my obedience, it's, it's hard now, but the results are good. Whereas, you know, if I just continue to be disobedient, you know, th- those results are just unacceptable to me. Um, and so that, that's kind of been the, the balance to the, I could just quit and go somewhere else, a mentality that I had for a while. Um, and the final similarity I had between farming and discipleship uh, was that um, just like in farming, becoming a discipleship produces fruit. Um, I've, had, I've made more progress in my spiritual journey in the past year with my D group uh, than I have in the several years prior to that. And part of that is because I was willing to show up even when I knew I hadn't met the goals that I'd set mar- for myself and to just be present and be thoughtful about who I was trying to be, and who I was claiming to be as a Christian. Uh, And because of that, I was growing even when I wasn't meeting the goals that I had set for myself. There was still growth. There was still progress. Um, And looking back, I didn't see it week to week to week, but I do see it looking back over the year. Um, Yeah, that is what I've got. Man, this has been so good. When I was a little boy, I lived in Georgia. A lot of my uncles lived in Florida. They grew fruit trees, in particular oranges, um, lemons, grapefruits, tangerines. I love the tangerines. 
And I would go out and my uncles would tell me, these are the tangerine trees. But it was off season and there were no tangerines on them. And I said, they can't be tangerine trees. There are no tangerines. If they were tangerine trees, they would have tangerines. And I said, no, you have to wait. Because in time, as the season progresses, they will bloom. The fruit will come. You're disciple makers. There may not be fruit right now, but you're disciple makers. We're going to capitalize not on what you've done or not done. We're going to capitalize on who you are. We live out of our identity, not out of what we do. And so for some of you to make a declaration today about discipleship may seem as though it's almost like an inconsistency or an incongruency or it doesn't have integrity to it. But I'm telling you, I'm making the first declaration today, and that is that you are a disciple maker because you are a Christian. And I will wait with you, and David and I will work with you, and we will walk with you until we see the fruit of that discipleship in every one of you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and make some declarations right now. There's a passage in Hebrews that sort of tries to describe faith. And it says it's like this. It's calling something that is not as though it already is. And so for some of you this morning, these declarations are declarations that you are going to make by faith. Each one of them will be put on the screen. This is the first one. I just want you to read it with me, all right? And we're going to go through all of them. There's just a little over a dozen of them. But we're going to declare these not only about our church, life church, but we're going to declare them about each of us individually. So I want you to take that position this morning by faith that you are indeed a disciple maker. And now out of being a disciple maker, let us make declarations of discipleship. Say this with me together. We declare the mission of Life Church. We glorify God by making disciples in our neighborhood and beyond. We declare Jesus has given this commandment to go and make disciples. We declare this commandment calls us to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. We declare Jesus promises he is with us always to the end of the age. We declare the great commandment is for everyone. We declare we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We declare God has chosen us. We did not choose him. We will bear spiritual fruit, fruit that will last. We declare we are called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We declare we will open our hearts to being equipped to go and make disciples. We declare 
God has given us pastors and teachers to equip us for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We declare we are all to attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We declare by God's grace, for God's glory, in the power of God's Holy Spirit, we will humble ourselves and become disciples who make disciples in our neighborhood and beyond. Lastly, we declare in making disciples, God will receive glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. If you're here today and maybe you have not made that decision to follow Jesus, you've heard the good news as Melissa shared it in John 3.16, as you heard it in all the testimonies that God has come, has given of himself, has died and risen again so that we can be brought back to him, so we can be reconciled, so we can have our relationship with him repaired. And if today is the first time you are saying yes to that, we want to invite you to come be prayed for after the final song. There'll be a prayer team up here and you can pray with them to get on this path to discipleship, and then we're not leaving you there. We're going to follow with you and do all these things that we've said today with you for the rest of your life. Um, it, for those of you that are saying, hey, I'm, I'm really at like zero in my life in discipleship, and just like Pastor Bill was saying, you're, you're feeling maybe some guilt or some shame today. That's not from the Holy Spirit, all right? Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Guilt and shame is not from the Holy Spirit. Guilt and shame won't get you where you need to go. So we want to invite you to come and be prayed for and just say, I'm, I'm weak, Lord. And, and we're all saying that anyway, right? We're saying, Holy Spirit, we need you to do this. We stink at this. Why did you even call us to do this? You know, and I ask the Lord that a lot of times. But we, we're not great at this. We need the Holy Spirit to do this in us. And so come up, receive prayer, and we're going to be praying for you up here um, for that as well. So not, not just if you're receiving Jesus for the first time, but if you need prayer, you're saying, I really need prayer to start this thing of disciple-making and to send me out. Uh, we want to do that today. So let's just let's go to the Lord in prayer as we close, and the worship team is going to come and lead us in a final song. Our Father, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for every testimony. We thank you for every teaching. And we thank you that it was done by us as, as a community of faith. I just thank you for all the work that you've done in us over the past year, Lord. And we are coming again today just humbly confessing we're not good at this. This is not something we're awesome at. Um, and yet, you have invited us into the mission of God to reconcile the world back to yourself. And we're just so honored and so privileged and blown away that you would trust us with that great responsibility to reach people with the good news of Jesus and to disciple them and teach them to obey all that you've commanded us. And we just ask for an extra measure of your Holy Spirit today. We ask for everything you've got, God, give it to us, please. Today, would you just pour it out on Life Church, on this city, on every disciple in this city? Would you just pour out your Holy Spirit and give us everything that we need to do what you've called us to do, Lord? Would you make us these kinds of people, disciples who make disciples to the ends of the earth for your glory, for your name? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.